Hello and welcome to Business Unusual with Vodafone Business. I'm Claudia Winkleman and I'm talking to founders of businesses who have forged their way to the top of their game. They're the entrepreneurs whose products outperform expectations. Today, I'm meeting a marathon-running peanut butter addict who once spent three months in a shed to focus on just launching her business. Her company makes gorgeous, beautiful, palm oil-free natural nut butters. They're called Pippa Nut and they are all about positive energy. In 2013, Pip Murray took a five grand loan from her dad, who, by the way, charged her interest, bought a blender that she still uses to test new recipes and made a plan to help the planet. Uh, She's in her London office right now, celebrating the company's first year of profit, Hello, 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 Pip. Thank you so much for joining us. Lovely to see you. How are you? Uh, We have so many questions and I hope we get to do them all. Pip, let's talk about you and marathons because that's how you discovered that there was a gap in the market. How many have you run and are you still running today? Yeah, so I've I've run about nine, I believe now. Uh, I still run a lot today. It's one of the things that kind of keeps me sane actually when growing the business. But yeah, my gap in the market and the kind of passion came from... I guess, being a regular consumer and looking for products that meet my needs. And at the time, you know, I was doing loads and loads of marathons and and needing something that was going to fulfill kind of that, you know, nutritious breakfast and post-run treat. And your post-run treat, I believe, was always peanut butter on toast, but you didn't like the peanut butters in the supermarket aisle. You were like, no, hold on a minute. This doesn't make sense. That's right. So like I said, I I very much came at the business from a consumer perspective. So to caveat, I had no business experience, no food and drink experience whatsoever. And, you know, as a consumer, when I was shopping the, the Caspian, I was browsing the, sh- the shelves in store. Remember every single product that I was trying to pick up in supermarkets at that time contained palm oil. A lot of them were really processed and really kind of Americanized. And there was nothing in this space that was kind of that lifestyle brand that you know, I'd seen kind of popping up in other other parts, other brands that kind of started to kind of fulfill that kind of more lifestyle brand. And I remember thinking, this product's amazing. It's so delicious. It's like, like I said, like really addictive and and has so much potential. Yet what's being offered to me as a consumer just was rubbish. And I, I, I think that's really what kind of set me going, really, that sort of small niche within what is quite a crowded space and and, and thinking, you know what, I'll give this a go. And, and and really, from a consumer perspective, like, you know, you have no clue about how things are made in supermarkets. Like when I walk around supermarkets now, it's a totally different experience. But, you know, back then I was like, how do these products even get made? Um, so I really did take it right back to the basics. And like you said, bought a blender, literally started it in my kitchen and went from there, really. And I love the fact that your dad, who I know was brilliantly supportive, went, five grand to make peanut butter <laughs> fine but you have to pay me back and you have to pay me back with interest and what does he I say know. now I think that says it says something about my childhood doesn't it that my dad did that but in so many ways it's like so much respect and um for that and he, he's always one to sort of make me stand on my own two feet and it's probably what actually has been one of the things that's made me do what I've done so yeah paid it back with interest he actually told me later down the line that he never expected to see it again so he did have faith, but not not lots of it, I think, at the start. So sweet. I need to talk to you about your job title, which might be singularly the best job title I have ever heard. That's right. It's, it's Chief Squirrel. And in fact, everyone in the business has some sort of squirrel name, which is getting harder and harder as we grow. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to need more examples. 
Um, I mean, God, there are so many. So there's Nut Cruncher, there is the Nut Collector, there's the Squirrel Enthusiast, there's Deputy Squirrel, and the list honestly goes on. And it's actually one of the first things that as someone joining the business, they have to kind of figure out how they're going to kind of find a squirrel name. And we tend to have a squirrel naming ceremony to try and figure that one out. So yeah, there's uh, 25 of us in the business. So it's kind of easy at the moment. But if, if I think about when we're 50, I, I honestly don't know what I'm going to call everyone. It's honestly so fantastic. And I think it, having read about your business, it feels indicative of the atmosphere that you've created within your team. If, if that makes sense. I know you all have lunch on Friday. I know that you look after them. Everybody's got a personal plan and you mm. want to look after their well-being. And just the squirrel name seems to add on top of that. Yeah, and I think when you're a really small business and and a growing one at that, I think culture and and the kind of team you want to create is is the most important thing. And and I guess the squirrel names are just one example of it of of one of the ways that we try and say to people, you know, we, we're not just a regular business. We don't want to just do business as usual. And and also just fundamentally, like I've I've got a belief that work should be fun. You know, you're you know you spend so much time at work and actually. Why can't you really enjoy what you do every day and not feel like it's a real drag and actually have, you know, work with people that are like-minded and have fun? And and I think that's you know, a lot about our brand. And, and when you look at the kind of the identity and our logo and, and our marketing, like everything's quite playful and silly and we try not to take ourselves too seriously. And I think even just a small thing where you're kind of slightly taking the piss out of yourself with a with a ridiculous squirrel name um, helps set the tone, I think, to everyone in the business. And when people are speaking to us from outside that, you know, we're going to try and do things a little bit differently and we're going to try and have some fun along the way. I think it's fantastic. Also, if some of your 25 are single, just the idea they're in a bar and somebody says, can I buy you a drink and what do you do for a living? And they reply, I'm actually deputy squirrel. That's I all I really need to know. Um, some why people do- wear it as a badge of prize. I, I tell totally. You, I are you joking? If I was squirrel <laughs> enthusiast, that would be on every T-shirt, hat, pair of jeans I owned. Um, I know, let, I agree with you. Let me ask you, please, just so people who are listening going, hold on, but what do they make? So basically anything nut butter, that's us. Um, and everything around our product range is natural, like I said, and we don't use palm oil in our products, which was one of the key things actually when starting out was thinking about how do we make products that are totally delicious, like make you want to go back for more whilst also making people feel really good about themselves because actually they're better for you and healthier and um, just fundamentally better for the planet as well. So it's a kind of, you know, do good, feel good kind of mantra. Absolutely. uh, Talking of that, the mantra and the culture of the company being one of the keys to its success. I mean, it's just, it's the opposite of a sausage factory, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it could not be more different. How have you managed to maintain the culture which is so crucial to your business during the pandemic and working from home? Was it very hard? Yeah, it's definitely been a stretch. And I mean, we were really lucky in lots of ways because our business just sort of exploded overnight. March, April were some of the busiest months that we've ever had as as a company. And I think lucky in the sense that sort of nut butter and peanut butter is something that you tend to eat at home and you buy it through supermarkets and, and they really surged. You know, everyone's trying to, as you probably remember, just grab things from the shelves and, and we just saw our demand yeah. go through the roof. And so we were sort of scrabbling around really as much as anything else, making sure that we could fulfill all the demand and figure out also as a team how we were all going to work remotely. So 
very grateful in lots of ways for for the fact that we didn't have to kind of turn our business upside down and, and think how we're going to survive. It was it was kind of complete opposite, in fact. But I think certainly, you know, we've got a really young team. You know, most of us live in sort of central London. Um, so actually, the, the experience of working from home is very different from, you know, being in a fun office in Shoreditch. And actually, a real struggle, I think, to feel that kind of connectivity and feel like you're kind of a united team, um, you know, going against everything that's in front of you. So, you know, for for me, it was just a big focus on trying to make sure that there was still cohesion whilst feeling quite distance in our own little bubbles. So, for instance, I think some of the most important things that we did was making sure that, firstly, like there was a lot of communication throughout the business and, and really like upping that. Typically, in the office, you can kind of everything distills by osmosis. But when we went into lockdown and had to start thinking about things remotely, just making sure that everyone was really in touch with each other and, and making sure that they were still connecting with each other on a kind of day-to-day kind of more like kind of water cooler moments and making sure there was space in people's days to be able to catch up with people and just have a coffee and talk about what they're up to and how they're feeling rather than just it all being about work. Because I think certainly in the first few months of, of lockdown, everyone felt like they should be working 24-7 and there was that kind of creep into your, your life um, in terms of work kind of eking into those evening and early mornings. So actually trying to really encourage people to have that structure and balance and take time to kind of look after themselves whilst, you know, we're all working really, really hard. Um, so certainly a really challenging time and, and lots that we didn't get right. But at the same time, I think, you know, now we're kind of moving to the kind of hybrid world. And I think we'll definitely take some of the learnings from what we had over the last year about remote working and, and feeling more kind of relaxed about people working at home more often um, is certainly something that we're going to be like incorporating into our culture now going forwards. I, I totally hear you and I think hybrid is the way to go. For some people it really works to be sort of half and half or however it works but what was it like to all then be back in the office? It must have been thrilling. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing. We actually had a someone left on, on Thursday last week and we did a big kind of um, leaving party and went out. And it was just the first time we've properly as a team been able to do that. And it's just such a nice feeling. And I get such a big energy from like just being in the office and seeing and chatting to everyone. And, and as much as anything else, I think one of the problems of when you're all remote is that you end up only speaking to a handful of people that you kind of interact with on a day-to-day basis. Whereas now, you know, you can walk up to people and like I say, make a cup of tea next to them and have a chat to you know our field sales interns or you know have a conversation with someone in our ops team who I might not necessarily have a day-to-day kind of conversation with and it's just brought so much more kind of fun and and energy into the business and I'm a bit of a mantra that I'd rather people were slightly less productive but had a little bit more enjoyment and and didn't feel that kind of constant pressure to always be on like I'd rather actually sort of sacrifice a little bit of the kind of productivity for a bit more enjoyment because I think that's really what people particularly in my business are looking for so they want to be challenged um but they certainly want to still go out with their you know their work friends on a Thursday night and you know enjoy living in London and that you know fun aspect of of the company. Can I just tell you, anybody listening to this is going to apply to your office right now. (laughs) Even if they have a nut allergy. No, genuinely, they're coming (laughs) to be a squirrel. Uh, The mantra, which is, you can be ever so slightly less productive, but actually enjoy work, feels enormous and and fantastic, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, Let's talk about coaching, because I read that you had a strong mentor relationship. How important is it for Pippa Nut? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's critical for anyone starting out on a business is to have, you know, a strong sort of network of peers, but also really a mentor that can really help and coach you along the way. Because, you know, I started this business as a sole founder, so I don't have a co-founder in, um, sitting alongside me, which I think is one aspect which makes it that extra little bit more important to make sure you've got good people around you. And, and having a mentor allows you to kind of be able to pick up the phone when you really are having those kind of, you know, everything's hitting the fan and, you, you know, you're really kind of head in hands and you need to be, be able to speak really honestly with someone that's not, maybe not someone that's working within your business or in your team, um, but someone that you can kind of ask and get advice from and, or just, just generally download about something that might be happening. So, yeah, right from day dot, actually, I had a brilliant mentor who's actually one of our biggest investors now. So it's kind of our relationships evolved over time. But that kind of journey is one that's so useful to have someone that has that experience because, there are in so many scenarios where you're a little bit messy around the edges, but actually, you know, you know that you're going to get there eventually and you need someone that really understands and empathises with that kind of state of play, not expecting you to be all over everything and be perfect, but accept that you'll, you'll probably fail quite a lot and you'll um, learn a lot along the way, but you'll get there eventually. So, yeah, I think it's incredibly important to have someone that has that experience and Giles is particularly great because, you know, he comes with that food and drink lens. So, you know, he's helped right in the early days, you know, helped me negotiate with Sainsbury's and Tesco's. You know, he'd be on the other end of the, the line kind of being like, oh, I think we should be going in with this pricing and this, these commercials and all this stuff. So he was so critical in those early days, whereas now our relationship slightly changed. Um, he's very much more of a kind of coach and support and helps me kind of with some of my leadership challenges or things around our team. So He's kind of grown with me as I've grown, um, but at different points in sort of our life cycle, you know, we've sort of been able to kind of, well, he's been able to support me. So absolutely integral. And yeah, he's definitely seen all the skeletons in the, in the closet and still stuck around. So that's always a good sign. So yeah, he's a brilliant guy. And, you know, I think it's incredibly important to find that, that person for you when you're growing that business. He sounds completely wonderful. Um, I don't want to darken our chat, but... I imagine it was quite a stressful time when you had to recall some product. Was Giles there for you then or did you just manage to find the strength and the will? Was it you and the team who went, right, this is what we've got to do. Let's just get on and do it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He was one of the first people I called when I first found out and kind of had to kind of start thinking about what, what we were going to do to kind of solve this problem. And it's funny actually when you have those phone calls because you expect someone to kind of like lose their shit down the phone and like get really annoyed and angry um but in actual fact he was completely the opposite and did the the great thing which I think any person in business always really appreciates is that he shared a scenario where something even worse happened to him so it almost makes you feel better and be like okay so I'm not a complete idiot I didn't completely screw up and actually really sort of helped make you think okay fine I just need to kind of dig in deep and and solve the problem step by step and and really just helped me think through what was the next thing that I needed to do to kind of fix what was actually like you said pretty stressful moment and then I think ultimately I think whenever anything like that goes wrong in the company I think honest and openness within the business is key and not yeah. holding it all to yourself but sharing the pain with within the whole team so yeah we were quite a small business at that time when we um, had that product recalled it was you know pretty significant for us in terms of you know, financial loss, but also just, you know, a really kind of sort of tipping point for the brand where we were building the business and the real concern that this might have an impact on the business and brand more widely. So, yeah, we're about eight people in the company. It took about sort of six months to fully resolve in terms of figure it out with our factory and make sure we kind of recouped 
from the the loss that we had because we had to pull basically all the products from all the supermarkets that we were in. So, yeah, it wasn't the easiest of times. But it's funny because you go through those moments where you almost can't see the wood through the trees and you come out the other side and it really does make you stronger as a business. You get, you know, how the, the, the processes in the company, but you as an individual um, build up so much resilience and almost those moments where you felt that maybe this is it are actually the moments where once you've managed to get through them, you feel like you've grown as an individual and you can deal with anything that gets thrown at you. So now any problems that hit our, hit, hit the business, I tend to not get too flustered and I'm pretty good at staying pretty cool and calm and collected because actually that probably was the lowest of the low um during the last six years that that particular moment when we had that product recall and ever since you know nothing has been comparable and so it's felt like you know pretty plain sailing so you can actually be that support for other members of your team when they have problems which they're really struggling with you can actually kind of have the space and and the knowledge I guess to know that you can support them and tell them that they'll probably they'll get through this too and that through it they'll learn something new too absolutely and through this podcast which I love because I talk to such inspirational entrepreneurs and founders so many of them have said exactly what you said which is you've got a trip because you've got to get back up again and Mm. whether it's what you went through or all kinds of different businesses I'm talking to so it's never going to just be easy peasy plain sailing because what is yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think only by failing do you actually start to understand what you need to do. Sometimes it's a good, it's absolutely a good thing that it happens, even if at the moment in time it doesn't feel like it. More from my chat with Pip in just a moment. First, I want to introduce an exciting new initiative from Vodafone Business. In the last year, there's been a huge rise in the need for businesses to get online. Small and medium enterprises make up 99.9% of the UK's business population. Founders and entrepreneurs have never had so many decisions to make when it comes to technology. Digital skills are more important than ever, but at least a third of small business owners in the UK said they aren't sure which tools will best suit their needs. Many haven't invested in any digital support. Some have only the most basic cybersecurity. That's why Vodafone have introduced Business.Connected, a free online training program to support 100,000 businesses across the UK. It offers free webinars, workshops and online training modules. There are different levels of upskilling to cater to those just starting their online journey, as well as businesses looking to build on existing experience. Find out more via Vodafone Business Online Knowledge and Resource Centre. Hub, where you can sign up to business.connected and connect your business to the free tools and training you need to digitally transform. Search Vodafone Business VHub. You're listening to me, Claudia Winkleman, where I talk to Pip Murray, founder of the most delicious Pip and Nut. Let me ask you, what is your advice for people who have a business idea? If you could get to talk to the you from six years ago, uh, what would you tell her? That's such a good question. Yeah, I mean, my advice probably to my younger self would be, I think, have a bit more patience with yourself and and, and not be quite so hard on yourself. I think 
I think often typically, and I, I don't know if it's a female trait or if it's or if it's anyone starting a business, but certainly my experience is that I can be incredibly hard on myself when things don't go right. And actually, sometimes you just need a bit of patience to wait and, and keep pushing, basically. Um, you know, for me, like for instance, one, one example is that we, we're sold in all the retailers throughout the UK, but the only one that we haven't been able to cinch the deal on is Waitrose. And, you know, we've been trying for about six years and I really had to have that kind of patience and resilience to kind of stick with it because it is the most frustrating thing when you find that you know you, you don't win a listing you don't get the next big deal that you're hoping for and really you just have to keep accepting that a, a no is never a no and eventually it'll turn into a yes and I think sometimes certainly in the kind of six years that I've been growing the business I've been incredibly hard on myself when think on myself when things haven't gone quite to plan and sometimes felt that that's been a deal breaker but actually that's one example of, of many that I can think of that actually persistence and just sticking to your guns and keeping trying is, is really all you need. So, yeah, I, I'd say that, that would probably be my, my biggest tip. But then I, if, I have, if I can have a second, I think particularly when you're starting out, I think one of the most important things is, is to really just get going. And I think often when you've got an idea in your head, you'll roll it around for months and months and months and months. And you won't take any action on it and it will frustrate you because you want to be completely perfect. You want to launch a business that is already fully formed and, and, and thriving. But actually, you know, sometimes all you need to do is just start and get the idea out of your head. And, you know, one of the things I think that I did actually pretty well get when I first started out was, you know, I initially started the business literally making it in my kitchen with a blender and I took the products down to a market store and it had some very cheap and cheerful branding around the outside of the jars and, it really just got the ball moving and started to make something feel which was quite abstract in my mind, something that was quite tangible and real and, and gave you those sort of positive feedback loops where, you know, people were buying it and liking it and giving me great feedback. And it gave me exactly the kind of confidence that I needed to kind of do the next step, which was, you know, scale up manufacturing and figure out how to make the product that was suitable in, for a supermarket. So if you've got an idea, think about what's the like, minimum that you need to do to get it out the door without you know spending your mortgage on it and and get going and, and give it a try and, and accept the fact that at that stage it's probably not you know the perfect business that you've had in your mind from a kind of brand or a you know proposition perspective but it's 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 starting um is is really half the battle fantastic honestly people will be lapping that up going <gasps> Okay, I'm just doing it. As a company, you signed up to an initiative that balances purpose and profit and intends to use business as a force for good. What does that mean day to day for the business um, and in the long term? So yeah, B Corps all focus on the triple bottom line. So people, planet and profit. So I guess some businesses uh, might just consider when they're thinking about different products that they're going to launch or different marketing they're going to do. And they might just be thinking, how is this going to drive profit? How am I going to drive my bottom line? Whereas when we as a business think about decisions that we're making, we're thinking about how does this impact the environment? How does this impact the planet? And can we do it better? Um, and we're also thinking about our people. And that's both our team, but also um, the wider community that we operate within. So Take, for example, some of the things that we do. Um, we're working on becoming a net zero uh, business by 2030. So effectively reducing our carbon uh, re um, emissions um, in line with the Paris Agreement's 1.5 um, degrees centigrade. 
um, and also, um, you know, using offsets where we can, um, where we can't necessarily reduce um, to make sure that we hit net zero. And that's that's a big task and it's going to cost us quite a lot of money to get there um, and it will require lots of resource to do it. But we believe it's the right thing to do for as a business. It's, um, you know, we're, you know, climate change. I think we've all seen the news lately that it's very real and it's very possible that if we don't start to take some action, that we're going to have some serious consequences. So that's sort of one example where actually as a business, we don't need to do it. Might not actually do anything from a kind of, um, you know, brand perspective but we think it's fundamentally the right thing to do from a business perspective from a responsible business perspective um and and you know we're also thinking about how as a business can we you know support our local community as as we grow and and become a more thriving business like we want to make sure we're giving back so we've worked quite closely with Hackney Food Bank over the last um two years and continue will continue to do so indefinitely um, with wider kind of food bank initiatives about how do we as business because funnily enough peanut butter is actually one of the things which um, in every kind of emergency food parcel that is given out from Hackney Food Bank or food banks more broadly it's actually one of the things that is included within those emergency food parcels for people that are really vulnerable so we thought well what's one of the things that we can do that actually helps and supports those that maybe couldn't necessarily afford our product um, but also those that really can't afford necessarily their day-to-day um, food um, is is to actually donate product, and so this year we'll be donating over uh, forty thousand jars to our local food bank. And I hope in time, as we grow, we'll be able to continue to scale that that number. So some of those things are just, I guess, some of the initiatives that we do as a business. But really, like I said, whenever we're making decisions from a product perspective, we'll be thinking: How do we make sure this is light on the planet as possible? How can we make sure that we're doing right by um, you know everyone, and and therefore I guess as a business, um, embodying that that phrase, which is using your business as a force for good, and I think it's genuinely one of the most empowering things actually running a business, where you feel that you're actually having a really positive impact more widely, and you have a platform that you can use. Um, to shout about some of the things which you care about. So whilst we're not the biggest company out there, I hope that some of the things that we do inspires also other businesses to think differently about how they approach business um, to be a more socially responsible, environmentally responsible company. Pip Murray, you are an excellent human being. Thank you so much for talking to us. And thank you to all your squirrels. I mean, I can't, I'm obsessed by the squirrels uh, in <laughs> your nest for creating this product. Oh, well, I mean, I'd wear a full squirrel costume. You, I can't come there because I'd be too uh, squirrely. Can I please ask you, I'm going to end with two quick fire questions, if that's all yeah. right. What three words would you use to describe Pippa Nut? I would use... Um, squirrely it's got to be I'm going to nick that one from you Um, I would say ambitious and I would also say caring are the three words that I would use to describe the brand that's fantastic and what three things couldn't Pippa Nut survive without well couldn't survive without peanuts and almonds so I'm going to say that one first um couldn't survive without my amazing team. They are absolutely incredible and they make me look good every single day. And so I owe them a lot. Um, and I couldn't do without, you know, our, our, our consumers. I don't know if anyone follows us on social media, but if you do, you'll notice how crazy they are. They are absolutely addicted to our products and our brand. And I, 
find every day they bring me a bit of joy um, when I see kind of the tweets and Instagrams that they send to us. So yeah, our fans as well. Fantastic. Um, Pip, thank you so much for talking to me. And I wish you enormous luck. Uh, for the, uh, the, Your future is properly exciting. It's already smashed it. And did you say that you're not stocked, you're still not stocked in Waitrose? Still not stocked in Waitrose. Okay, so this is just a public that. information announcement to Waitrose, if they're listening. I don't know, maybe they're busy. You need Pippa Nut. You need Pippa Nut, Waitrose. We, we need it. I've got one near me. I'll come and I'll buy it all. You'll be happy with me. I'll come and buy it all dressed as a squirrel, also holding a blender, which I will call Bob. Pip, <laughs> thank you again. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. We all need a magic blender and indeed a squirrel title. It is remarkable and a sign of real change, just how passionate the people I've spoken to in this series are about the planet, about sustainability and the way business leaders can really make a difference. Next time on Business Unusual from Vodafone Business, an entrepreneur whose latest brand took more than £10,000 on its very first day when it turned its digital audience into customers. We would love you to rate and review the podcast and please subscribe to hear more from the UK's most inspiring entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for listening.